All right, let's go ahead and grab our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 23. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for, what, for that which she has conceived is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. This Christmas, I have to be honest, I've been thinking a lot about my dad. My dad died in April of 21, but the first Christmas without him, our whole family came down with COVID, and we were so preoccupied with that that we didn't really have a chance to consider him not being there with us that day. But this year, I've been thinking about my dad a lot. I miss him. I think about him all the time, and I'm so glad to be able to say that I'll see him again that moment that I step into heaven. But when it came to Christmas, Clark Griswold had nothing over my father. My dad had a very unique way of approaching Christmas. I'll never forget one time that I was out with my friends. I called home to let my father know that I was going to be a little late coming in. And I asked him, hey, Dad, what you doing? And he goes, well, I'm putting up Christmas lights. I go, oh, that'll be great. He usually did a pretty good job. After he put them all up, my mom would say, no, that's not the way to do it. He'd take them all down and put them up the way she wanted it. But they always look great. However, though, when I got home, it was already dark, and I pulled into the front driveway. And I'm looking, and I'm like, there are no lights on the house. But then I started looking through the curtains and, well, either my dad created a discotheque in the living room or he put all of the lights on the inside. And that's exactly what he did. He hung all the lights throughout the inside of the house. And I walked in and I said, Dad, I knew you were putting up Christmas lights, but aren't they supposed to be on the outside of the house? And he said, they're on the outside, I can't see them. That was my dad. He always had his unique perspective. I love when my dad used to buy all the gifts and then hide them in one of the cars in our garage. We had this 73 Maverick that I am thoroughly convinced had no other purpose in our family but to store the Christmas presents. It was a car that my mom was supposed to drive, which she never did. But every year we could be counted on the fact that the Christmas presents were in back seat of that car. And one year, my dad would walk us around the car and he'd say, see, they're the presents and you can't have them because you can't get to them. Because we exhausted every hiding spot in the house up until that point. 
until one year he lost the keys to that car. So we got those presents the next Christmas. My dad was just one of those kind of guys. When putting up our fake Christmas tree, my dad did it in such a methodical way that he would lay out the various branches, and each branch at the tip, the tip that goes into the wooden sphere that the Christmas tree is built upon, each color coded, he would lay them out individually according to the colors. And my sister and I were always very helpful when he's organizing them. We would pick them up and start having sword fights with them in the house. And then my dad would chase us around the house, usually ending up throwing the top of the Christmas tree at us as we were running through the house. But after all of those things that I think about, those funny things that really make those moments, the one thing I could always say about my dad is that he was always there for me. He always made time for me. He was always approachable. Didn't matter if I was in trouble or if I just needed some advice or if I just wanted to share with him about my day. It didn't matter. My dad was always available for me. I could call him at work and be assured that even though he was a principal of a school in the city of Chicago, he would always take my phone calls. He was just one of those unique people. And as I was considering him, thinking about him, it just reminded me of the text that we read here this morning and concerning God. That Emmanuel means God is with us. And so many people today think, even those who see themselves as Christians, don't see God close to them. They often view God distant from them. Not aware or uh, attentive to what they are personally going through in the midst of their life. But just the opposite is, is true. God knows everything that's happening in our lives. He knows what we are in need of before we ask Him. He has every one of our hairs numbered on our head, every one of the tears we've ever cried within a bottle. He's always there, and He always cares about us. Years ago at, here at church, someone told me that they had three children and that what he would do as their father would set appointments up for them so they could come and talk to him at various times of the week. And I said, wow, how impersonal. How, you know, how cold and distant that must have felt to the children concerning their father. But God is just the opposite. God certainly cares about us. And that's why he says to us, during these Christmas times, which are very difficult for some people, to cast our cares upon Him, for He cares for us. You know, one of the hardest things about my dad was knowing what to buy him for Christmas. Do you have that problem? Let me ask you, anybody here tonight still have yet not finished your Christmas shopping? It's just because Amazon's late. That's the only reason I'm not complete. But my dad was one of the hardest people to buy for. I remember a story of three sons who really wanted to impress their mom. 
Their mom, unfortunately, was losing her eyesight, but while she still had a partial portion of it, they wanted to really impress her and outdo each other by getting her the ultimate Christmas gifts. And the first son, the oldest son, decided to buy her a mansion overlooking the ocean, a beautiful home that she could enjoy for herself. The second son decided, well, since she's having difficulty seeing and not going to be able to uh, drive any longer, he bought her a Rolls Royce with a chauffeur to take her wherever she needed to go. And the third son, he was a believer in Jesus. And he wanted to help his mom read the Bible, so he bought her a parrot that knew how to quote Scripture and to help her, her, his mom memorize Scripture as she goes blind. And therefore, he, the parrot would say it, she could repeat it, and still memorize Scripture without being able to read it. Well, as time went on, the sons decided to call their mom and say, listen, I'm really curious, how do you like that home that I bought you? And she said, oh, honey, it's absolutely beautiful and gorgeous, but I just occupy one room. This is too much for me to live in. Go ahead, just take it back. And I, I, I don't need all of this space. And the second son called her and said, well, how do you like the Rolls Royce? She goes, oh, it's a beautiful car, but I don't really care for that chauffeur. So uh, he drives a little too fast for me, so I'm going to have to give that gift back to you also. So the third son thought he had it, had it made. This, this was going to be the Christmas that she always remembered the gift in which kept on giving. So he said, Mom, how did you like the parrot? Oh, I loved that small chicken. It was delicious. My dad was one of those people. You just didn't know what to get him and what to buy for him. But my dad knew me so well that he would often find one gift that just blew me away year after year after year. He would remember me saying something throughout the course of the year, wanting something, and then he would secretly buy it. And after all the other gifts were opened and we were sitting there, he would then say, Eric, go run to my dresser and open the top drawer. And there would be a gift that I really wanted that my dad remembered to get for me. God is with us. We are not alone in this world as followers of Jesus Christ. Even though our hearts and our minds may scream to us that we feel alone or abandoned in some cases, that couldn't be farther from the truth. God is with us each and every day, every step of the way, each and every moment of the, of the morning, evening, noon, and night. God is with us in all that we do. We just finished a wonderful series on this, the life of Joseph, showing and demonstrating that God is with us no matter what, and that he would never leave us nor forsake us. But as we come to the text that we read this morning, we realize that Matthew is trying to encourage the Jewish people in such a unique way. By understanding the context of what the uh, verse originally meant in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, we realize that back then Isaiah was speaking to the king of Judah. 
And the king of Judah was now fearful because of the sin in which Judah had committed that the line of David was going to cease in existence and needed to be encouraged and reassured that God was going to keep his promise to his people. So God made a promise through Isaiah to the king ensuring them that a child will be born You will call his name Emmanuel, for God is with us. Now, when it comes to Jewish prophecy, there are two ways in which those prophecies are fulfilled. One way is a near-term, a short-term fulfillment. And actually, that occurred in Isaiah chapter 8. When Isaiah and his wife had a child, a male child, And God said that before this child learns how to say, my mother or my father, Israel's, I'm sorry, Judah's uh, enemies shall be destroyed. Later on in chapter 8, in fact, Isaiah calls that child Emmanuel in chapter 8, verse 8. But then we come to chapter 9, which gives us the second dimension of Jewish biblical prophecy. And that is the long-term fulfillment. We call it the near and far elements of prophecy. And in Isaiah chapter 9, we read these incredible words in which were given to Isaiah concerning this child in whom shall be born. In Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. On the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, From now that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And that was not fulfilled in the child of Isaiah. This was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. So when Matthew gives them this fulfillment, he's reminding them of the short-term fulfillment but also he's reminding them of the long-term fulfillment of this incredible prophecy and who Jesus actually is. You know, when it comes to our relationship with God, we need the near and the far. The near is knowing that God is with us each and every day as we walk through this life in the new life in which he has given us. We need to know that. We need to be assured of that. We need to be confident of that. So he told his people that I will be with you always. He said that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And while we are distant from him and separated from him physically, we have promises that are made. For example, as Jesus said to them, When they asked about identifying the Father to them, he said in John 14, 9, he said, Jesus said to them, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? 
Jesus is the perfect representation of God because he was and is God today. But he also not only assures us of the character of God, but allows us to know that he is approachable. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but in all points tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. This is who Jesus is. He is God with us. The perfect representation of God, completely approachable to anyone who calls upon his name. I don't know where you're at with God tonight. I have no idea. But you've joined us tonight. This is your appointment with God. Nobody bribed you, hopefully. Nobody held a gun to your head. You came on your own fruition to come and to join us to celebrate the life of Jesus. May I extend to you, if you do not know him, the greatest gift that you will ever be offered that all that requires of you is to receive it. That is the gift in which he came to give us to anyone who will believe upon him. Eternal life, a new life that doesn't start the moment we die and enter into heaven. It starts the moment that we come and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, you may not think that you're worthy of coming to Christ. And let me tell you this right up front. You're not. Nobody is. And yet the door is wide open to everybody, no matter what you have done. You may think that you are the worst person in the entire world. And yet the door that God has opened to you through Christ remains open to you. And all you have to do is step through it tonight. To believe on him. To receive the greatest gift that could be ever, ever given. You simply need to receive it. God with us changed the entire fabric of the world. The entire annals of history reverberate with the arrival of Jesus Christ. To say it simply, but in a profound way, he changed everything. And yet... We need to know and to be confident that he not only is with us in the moment, but he also has a plan and purpose for us in the future. The near and the far both are important to each and every one of us who is a Christian. Telling his disciples in Matthew 28, 20 to assure them just before he once again returned to heaven, he said this, teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The other day, Wednesday, my family and I and my, our, my mom, my mother-in-law, we all drove up to Lake Geneva to have dinner together and look at the awesome lights that were up there. 
And as we were driving up there, we got caught in traffic, so we had some time. And as we were making our way there, it came up that it was December 21st, the darkest, shortest day of the year. And yet, when we started talking about it, we went from a jovial to a kind of, oh, that's depressing. I'm sorry, but getting dark at three o'clock in the afternoon is not something I look forward to. But I think that it's very interesting that just a few days later, we celebrate Christmas. You know, isn't it interesting how Christmas pierces this world at one of the darkest times that this world is experiencing? Now, from our perspective, Christmas brings in a joy and a hope, but it's often short-lived because we know that living here in Chicago, that December 21st also ushers in what we like to call Armageddon. No, I'm talking about winter. And it's a, it's a joy at first. It's like, you know, you see the pretty snow and you're just, oh, it's so pretty and so forth. And January, oh, it's snowing again. And then February, it's snowing again. And then by March, oh, for good grief, let's stop snowing, you know. Yeah, exactly. And you know, by February, March, everybody has their artificial sunlights in their house looking for the thing. We know that the sun exists somewhere. You know, we're all groping around in this world looking for that orb in the sky because it's just one cloudy day after another. But even though that is true, Something's happening behind the scenes that can never be stopped by anyone. Each and every day is getting a little bit lighter. We go from 4 o'clock to 4.15 to 4.30. By the time we get to June 21st, the best day in the entire calendar, my birthday, June 21st, the longest day of light that there is, even though we may be going through dark times that are wearing us down, there's a plan of God that's unfolding that Christmas initiated. It began. And that is the redemption of the entire world. And that each and every one who believes in Jesus Christ can be assured of this, that even though we go through difficult times and they can wear on us, there's a work in us that is happening that nothing that this world throws at us can hinder in any way, shape, or form. And eventually, you know what? Spring is going to come. Summer is going to come. The new heavens, the new earth is going to come. And we can rejoice in that. All of this is possible because of the arrival of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with you. As you walk through this world, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And if you are here tonight and you don't know Christ, you don't know for sure that if anything were to happen to you, that you would step out of this world and into heaven, tonight is your appointment with God. Tonight is the night that God wants to impress upon your heart how much he loves you and demonstrated that love by giving his life for you. You see, what separates us from God is, is something that we personally cannot overcome in and of ourselves. 
The Bible calls it sin. And the problem with sin is this, that there is no cure for it apart from God. There's nothing that we can do. Some believe that, oh, if I just do enough good things, it'll outweigh the bad things. But see, God doesn't grade on a curve. That's how I passed high school, the wonderful curve. But God doesn't grade on a curve. God demands perfection to enter into heaven. And guess what? None of us have ever obtained that. The only one who can claim that is the centerpiece of the Bible. His name was Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He was perfect. And because of him, if we will simply put our faith and trust in him, God no longer looks at us independently, seeing our sin, seeing our failures, seeing our faults, what he sees in us as Christ stands between him and us is Christ's righteousness, his faithfulness. And even though we may have sinned and fallen, Christ not only forgives us of that sin, no matter what we have done, He removes it from us, but doesn't leave us naked at that moment. He then clothes us with His righteousness. That's what Jesus has done for us. That's what Jesus has done for you. If you will place your faith and trust in Him, Now, you may be saying, well, what do I have to do? Do I have to sign a card? Do I have to give a certain amount of money? Do I have to pledge my firstborn? What do I need to do to receive what God has offered me through Christ? Here it is, two words, very simple, believe and repent. That's what the Bible says. Simply believe on Jesus Christ and repent of your sin. And what that means is understanding it's that sin that has separated you and you need to get right with God tonight. And you can leave here a new person in Christ. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you've walked with Christ for a while, slipped back into this world, and now you want to come back. Tonight's your night. The invitation is here. Just reach out to Christ, and you're going to find something dynamic at that moment that He's already reaching out to you. If you've never had a relationship with God, now is the time to start by simple believing and to turn to God and say, God, I'm sorry for those things that I have done against you. The Bible says at that moment you become a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away, all things become brand new. The Bible tells us that all heaven rejoices over the repentance of one person. That person can be you tonight. Today is your appointment with God. And you can leave here tonight knowing that God is with you.